Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Do you have any regrets? Those times when the busyness of life lets up for just a little bit and you find yourself quiet, alone, and you think about your life. Is there anything that you regret? Well, I would say to you today that if you are a human being and you are breathing, that there are things that you regret. Things that we have done that we wish we had not done. Things we've said that we wish we had not said. Things we didn't do that we wish we had things we didn't say that we wished we had. Sometimes we even regret things that we didn't do but that happened in our lives. And it's marked by this idea of, you know, well, I wish I had, or I wish I hadn't, or I wish I could have. And we have regrets. And most of our regrets, when we look at them, think back on there were things that we did that weren't things that we're proud of or didn't do that we, you know, were proud. And so I just want to say this to you up front here today that when you look back in your life and you think about things in your past, things that you did or that you didn't do that you really think you should have, Jesus Christ died paying the penalty for every sin. And those things that you have, you know, from your past that you think about that, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, let me just say, I, there are things sometimes when I sit and I start thinking about my life in certain areas and certain places at times that I wince thinking about what I said or what I did or how I didn't say or do what I should have. And it's painful, isn't it? Anybody else besides me ever experience pain when you think back on your life? Yeah. So it's very normal for us to have regrets. Like I said, if, if we've received Christ as Savior, all of those sins have been you know, paid for where they are forgiven. Christ is no longer holding us against them. I'm holding them against us. But sometimes life holds them against us, doesn't it? There are repercussions, sometimes things we're still living with. And, and there's an upside to regret. An upside to regret is that it makes me pay attention next time. Well, you hope anyway, right? We can learn things from, from our mistakes or from our sins, our bad We can learn and there's benefit there. You know, it doesn't make them less painful, but we can come to understand that, okay, yes, I am forgiven for that, and, and yes, there are some ripples in my life from it, but I've learned some things from it, and, and not be ruled by it. So it's not like it's a problem or wrong if you sit back and think about your life and say, oh man, I kind of regret this or that. That's not a problem. But if we don't deal properly with regret, it becomes a problem. And what we find is that when all of a sudden our regrets, things that we regret from the past, like I said, if we stop and think about it, 
We find that we aren't having to stop and think about it anymore. It keeps coming back into our life anyway. You know, it keeps intruding into the present. Whether it's how we feel about it or what we're thinking or what's going on. And, and then regret becomes a big problem because it hasn't been properly resolved. In fact, uh, psychologists and sociologists study, study regret. Uh, Dr. Melanie Greenberg, uh, she was writing about unresolved regrets in psychology today. She said this, she said, regret, the unresolved regret, she's talking about regret that has become a problem. It impedes the ability to recover from stressful life events by extending their emotional reach for months, years, or lifetimes. Extending their reach into our present day life. When we don't resolve these things properly, we don't get free from them, they're still here today, aren't they? And in fact, what I discover is that sometimes the pain that would happen at this point in life when the thing that we regret occurred, actually over the years, that pain can become bigger. It can take up more emotional space in our lives, more mental space in our lives. And, and when that happens, we have big problems because we are no longer feeling free to act on what's happening now because we're acting now based on these things that are hammering us. And so we need to make sure that we know how to deal with our regrets. Like I said, it starts with receiving Christ as Savior and being forgiven for those things. And, and we're going to be talking about regret over the next uh, few weeks here in this sermon series. So we won't be able to cover everything there is to cover about regret today. Uh, but this sermon series is entitled No Regrets. And what we're going to do each week is we're going to talk about some aspect of regret. Then we're going to go to the Bible and look at a character, a Bible character who has experienced regret. And look and see how do they respond well? How do they not respond well? What can we, we learn from this? And we want to see what can we learn about how to deal with regrets we already have? And then what can we learn that we can do something different today so that we don't have regrets tomorrow and do better? We're going to be looking at Esau, Judas, David, and Paul over these next four weeks starting today. So let's do this. Let's, actually, let's, let's stop and pray again. Father, I pray that you will enable us to be able to see and understand what we need to today. But sometimes the idea of thinking back on the things we regret, we don't want to go there, but I pray we'd be willing to go there with you and that you do a work here, Lord, in our hearts and minds today. And not just for our benefit, Father, but for the benefit of us being able to live our lives fully for you. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I want to talk about, the title of the sermon is Bitter Poison. Bitter Poison. And how regret, if not properly processed, can become a bitter poison in our lives. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we encourage you to pick up one from under the chairs there and follow along. I'll give you page numbers as you need them. Page 1383, Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hebrews chapter 12, it's 1383 in the Bible, they say, what did I say, 13, 
83, yes. Hebrews 12, start in verse 14. He's, he's giving instructions here about how to interact with people, and he says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And here's what I want you to see. He says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. A root of bitterness springing up and causing problems, not just for the person who is bitter, but for a lot of other people too. So notice this right away, that if you become bitter about something that's happened in your life, it doesn't just affect you. When you are bitter, it affects everybody's life that you touch, and we'll see a little bit more about that in a minute. But let me explain to you when he talks about falling short of the grace of God. And here's the idea, is that when something happens in our life, something negative, uh, and, and whether it's directly what we've done or something happened to us, God, if, if we know him, if we have a relationship with him, that's the starting point. But God has grace for us that is greater than that problem. Okay, God has that available. He's, he's ready to, to work in our lives. And, and he says that he gives grace to the humble. And the humble people are the people who say, God, I need your grace. I need you to work in my life here. And, and so we have the grace of God. When he talks about falling short of that, what he's saying is we take a shortcut. And instead of looking to God to deal with this, we deal with it our way. And oftentimes it's by striking out or it's by, it's, and just going to have to ignore that. I don't know quite why that's happening, okay? I apologize for that. Sometimes we do it by striking out. Sometimes we do it by putting up this wall. And the wall isn't always just here. The wall sometimes goes over the top towards God. And so we fall short of the grace of God. It's not about earning God's grace. It's about taking advantage of God's grace. But when we don't take advantage of God's grace, we are on our own. And we are not capable of resolving these things sufficiently. What we do is we build walls. We we create scars. uh, We put up obstacles. All sorts of things that just create us problems. And so bitterness is a bad thing. What is bitterness? Well, bitterness is when we find ourselves with this inordinate focus on something wrong that happened to us usually, and we we responded wrongly to it, okay? And we have regrets there, but we respond wrongly. And so bitterness has this focus that I've been wronged. This wasn't fair. I deserve better. I shouldn't have been put in that situation to begin with. And, And we start thinking, and it's this person's fault and that person's fault and these circumstances and that circumstances. And in so doing, we cut ourselves off from the grace of God. And we find ourselves focused on these things. When, when you are bitter about something or someone, what dominates your thoughts? That person dominates your thoughts. When you meet somebody else and they do something and remind you of that person, that person dominates your thoughts. You know, you watch a television show and something happens and that person dominates your thoughts. You find yourself saying, I need to read my Bible. You try to read your Bible and instead that person dominates your faults, or, you know, or the events and the circumstances. And, and it's just like it takes over you so much. So, and what it does is it continues to cut you off from letting God's grace flow in and do what it needs to do. 
and you just get more and more clamped down. It's like your arteries, your spiritual arteries are get clogged. They get smaller and smaller and the life that should be flowing through there gets cut off. And really little parts of you start to die. Pretty ugly. So what causes it? I think it's what causes it, again, they say this, it's, it's not, it's a wrong response to the things that happened in our past and the regrets that we have, we haven't properly processed. And so bitterness will follow you for years. And it'll, it'll crop, you know, pop up when you least want it to. Well, so <clears throat> those are the kinds of things that cause bitterness, but what does bitterness cause? Well, when you have bitterness in you, it says here, what? Many will be defiled. The people in your life will be damaged by this. They will be hurt by this. Bitterness causes relationship damage. Because your relationships can't be what they really ought to be. Those closest relationships in your life, your, your, your husband-wife relationships, bitterness will just drive a wedge in there and keep you from getting where you need to be. Bitterness with a parent or a child or a friend, it's just, it does damage to relationships. Not only does it do damage to relationships, it causes health problems. See, God made us to be whole people. And when we don't deal with the issues of the heart and soul, it affects us physically too. Uh, Dr. Lynn Anderson, who, who deals with these issues in people's lives, uh, she's writing in the Huffington Post three years ago. She says this about unresolved regrets, like regrets that have produced bitterness. She says one of the biggest problems is that it produces stress in our lives. When you are bitter over something from your past and it keeps nagging at you today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day, it produces a stress in your life. And we, I think we already know that stress over long periods of time is not good for us. Listen to what she says. She says, regrets cause stress that affects our blood pressure, biorhythms, energy levels, hormones, and immune response. It also affects the mind. Our thinking process becomes clouded. More mistakes are made. And poor choices lead to increased stress. Negative thought processes affect the chemistry of our brains. And when you affect the chemistry of the brain in a negative and stressful way, you affect your overall health. Unresolved regrets have a negative effect on your health. And so now you don't feel good. And I don't know about you, I don't do my best life thinking when I don't feel well. See, I mean, it's this downward spiral, isn't it? If we fall short of the grace of God, if we don't take his solutions, it's a downward spiral. Well, let's, let's continue here in Hebrews chapter 12 and introduce the character we want to look at here today. Verse 16. He continued. He just talked about bitterness and causing trouble and many people defiled. Verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator, and that would a sexually immoral person, or profane person like Esau. So we're going to be talking about Esau. Who for the morsel of... Uh, for one morsel of food, sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance. Now, this is not repentance toward God. This is just a repentance meal to change and turn and make things different. 
though he sought it diligently with tears. Now we're going to go back and look at the story in the Old Testament in just a little bit, but let me say, just to identify a couple of things for you here. A profane person, we think of profane and the word profanity comes to mind, you know, but a profane person is someone who does not make the right kind of distinctions between whether things are holy and not holy. Doesn't make the right distinction between what's really good and what's not good. Doesn't make the right distinction between what's really valuable and what isn't valuable. And I think that one there is really Esau's issue, as we will see. So a profane person. And then he says this, he talks about who, for uh, one morsel of food sold his birthright. In fact, let's go look at that. Turn to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis is the very first book in the Bible. Genesis chapter 25, page 27 in, your, in the Bible that's there in the chairs. <clears throat> so Abraham is the one that God had called and said, I'm gonna you know, make your uh, great nation, your children, and, and your, your, one of your descendants is gonna bless the whole world. Talking about Jesus. Well, Abraham had a son, Isaac, and then Isaac had um, two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn. They were, um, what, what kind of twins are they called when they aren't identical? Yeah, you know what that sound like to me? So yes, that, okay? So they were those kinds of, yeah, twins, fraternal twins, that's what they All right, um, how would you like to be the one sitting up here trying to remember a word? So they were fraternal twins, and um, Esau was actually born first. He was the firstborn, but it says that Jacob had, the baby came out, and somehow or other his hand grabs, hits the heel of Esau, and they said, oh, he's trying to grab his heel. And in that culture, this idea of grabbing a heel was like a wrestling move, how you take somebody down. And, and so Jacob was going to be taking Esau down, see, and be a supplanter, and they, they have all these ideas about that. And, and it happens. This is the way things ended up happening. But so let's start in verse 29. Actually, start in verse 27. Let's do that. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob's sort of a, a mama's boy, and I don't necessarily mean that in a real derogatory way. Just this is how they connected. Verse 29, now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. Now Edom means red, okay? And so Esau got this nickname of red. And it sort of goes back to this story among other things. So he's hungry, he wants some of the stew, verse 31. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Yeah, I'll give you some stew, but you gotta give me your birthright. Now, in our modern American culture, this is not nearly such a big deal to us. But here's the way this worked. The firstborn in this culture, and in a lot of Middle Eastern culture, and still in some cultures around the world today, the firstborn son, 
he gets a double portion of the inheritance. And the reason he does is because he's expected to carry on the father's name, business, heritage, and he's also supposed to then take care of mom and any of the rest of the household, possibly even still younger siblings. So the firstborn was given a right and a privilege and responsibilities. It was a big deal. They valued this tremendously. Normally they did. And so here's Jacob saying, yeah, I'll give you some stew. You give me your birthright. And we ought to think that the end of conversation, right? It's not. Verse 32, and Esau said, look, I am about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Now, just based on what we know, and was he about to die? Oh, he was famished, he was exhausted, he was tired, he felt like he needed something to eat, wanted something to eat. And he says at this point, what's the birthright? It doesn't mean anything to me right now. I'll, I'll give it to you. Sure, give me the stew. How, do you think he's going to regret this decision? Okay. Verse 33, then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Or he devalued his birthright. Didn't care about it. Okay? So this is his decision that he makes. He, he did not properly value what God had entrusted to him. And the Bible tells us that over time he became bitter about this because he had a regret. But rather than you know, looking at this and saying, I have this problem because I valued things wrongly. I made this decision and I need to make better. No, it became whose fault? Whose fault do you think it became? Jacob's fault. He's the one who did this to me, and he becomes bitter. And this is what we saw over in Hebrews. We're talking about bitterness and connecting it with Esau. He became a bitter man. Go over a couple chapters to chapter 27 on page 30. I want to show you how this affected Esau's responses to life. So the story comes down. Isaac is, is getting close to death, and he wants to bless his sons. Esau is the firstborn. He wants to give Esau a special blessing. He doesn't have the birthright anymore, but he still wants to give his firstborn son a special blessing. The whole story here we go through, Jacob and his mother connive and deceive dad, and dad gives the special blessing to his firstborn son. Again, in our culture, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. But in that culture, the blessing that the father pronounced was a huge deal, and it really mattered. They felt it actually affected what was going to happen in your life. So Jacob deceives him, and he steals that blessing. And so this is where we come to here. Uh, verse 34. When Esau heard the words of his father, that I already gave that blessing to Jacob. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceeding great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with the seed and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said... Is he not rightly named Jacob? That means a heel grabber. Is he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. Next phrase, he took 
away my birthright. And now look, he has taken away my blessing. And we can stop there. But I want you to see something. Jacob's bitterness is now leading him to improperly interpret his life. Because what's he saying? Why doesn't he have the birthright anymore? He isn't saying because I made a stupid decision. He said, no, 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 no. It was a Jacob. He, he took that away from me. And what you see, when you become bitter, when you have things that happen in your life that you regret and then you, you don't deal with them properly, you become bitter, it's going to affect how you interpret your life. And how you interpret your life is going to affect how you make decisions today. Man, you're in big trouble, aren't you? If you don't properly address these issues. You see, if, you, if, if your regrets have, have led you to bitterness, that's a really bad place to be. Because bitterness will ruin your life and hurt everyone in it. Bitter people tend to be unmerciful, unforgiving, judgmental, and harsh. Have you ever known someone like that? A bitter person, unmerciful, unforgiving, judgmental, harsh. Bitter people are complaining people. Look at these uh, two verses from Job chapter 7 and 10. He says, therefore I will not refrain my mouth. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. If I am bitter, you're going to hear about it. And that's where you will be if you become a bitter person. Bitter people are unpleasant people. Uh, another, uh, in Job 21, it says this, another man dies in the bitterness of his soul, never having eaten with pleasure. In other words, here we are, the, the very basic things of life. Now, does anybody besides me like to eat? I'm the only one? I mean, I think God made us to enjoy eating, right? I mean, it, it, it's, it's awesome. But when someone becomes so bitter, they can't even enjoy those kinds of things. Have you ever known anybody like that? You don't want to be that person. Bitter people are harmful people. We already saw that in Hebrews. It says, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. People get hurt. And so bitterness is not a good response to your regrets. It's the wrong response. When you take advantage of the grace of God and say, oh God, here I am. This has happened, what do I do? So what can we learn from this about our past regrets? Well, I would ask you this question today. If you find yourself struggling, you find yourself struggling with regrets from your past. In other words, it's not just the normal, yeah, I wish I hadn't done that, but you know, it keeps popping into your life today, keeps coming into your mind, keeps affecting how you feel, keeps affecting maybe how you're making decisions now. If that's the case, is it possible that you have become bitter? Well, I don't think I'm bitter. Well, do you find yourself saying things like this? And it was if, if it came up about, you know, the other people involved and the idea is that maybe you ought to, you know, try to reconcile with them. You say, I will never, I will never accept that. I will, I will never forgive that person. I'm not going to do that. Or some, you know, that you're going to go, I, I, I will not go there. I refuse. I'm not going there. If you find yourself with those kinds of feelings, those kinds of thoughts, those kinds of responses, it's very possible that you have become bitter. Because those are marks of bitterness 
So what's God's solution here about this? So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, page 1346. 1346, Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> Paul here is giving some instructions about not grieving the Holy Spirit. In other words, by, by resp- follow the Spirit's leading, do what the Lord wants you to do. And he talks about relationships. And uh, let's look in verses 31 and 32. The last two verses in the chapter. He says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So the list starts with bitterness, and it ends with really the ultimate solution, and that is forgiving one another. You know what will make you free from bitterness? It's forgiving whoever needs to be forgiven. Might be other people. Might be yourself. And God doesn't need to be forgiven because he never does wrong, but you might look and say, if you're holding it against God, then you need to let that go. Forgiveness is God's solution. And I get that it's not an easy solution, especially if you become bitter. I mean, you don't raise your hand here, but have you ever been wronged so deeply by someone that you just said, I can't go there? And that's, that's how you become bitter. But I get it. You know, I, I was fa- I've been facing life with two or three things that were really major, and I had to make decisions about whether I was going to just go ahead and become a bitter person. You know, when you have somebody tell other people about you things that just aren't true, that are wrong, and, and not just little things, terrible things, bad things, to talk about you, and, and it, 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 to spread that about you, and refuse to talk to you about it. Won't talk to you about it. Talk to other people about it. And then when you find yourselves running into this person in a public place with other people around, they smile at you and talk nice to you and act interested in you when you know that they have told lies about you and they refuse to talk to you about it. Well, I'll tell you, I had a sense of that, that ain't right. That's not right. I'm, no, they, they need to deal with this. They need to be forced to deal with this. And, on, and over a period of time, all of a sudden, I, you know, God made me see, you know, hey, what do you want to be? Do you want to become a bitter person? Yeah, they, they did you wrong, right. When you've been as wronged as Jesus has been wronged, then let's talk. Jesus died for them like he did for you. Yeah, you're right. All right, I forgive them. And forgiving doesn't mean that I accept what they did as right. Forgiving doesn't mean that I put myself back in a position to be heard again. What forgiving does is this. When I forgive someone else, what I say is, okay, I am no longer saying that you have a debt that you owe to me. I am releasing you of that debt. It's between you and God now. By the way, it was always between them and God. But I'm, I'm recognizing it's between you and God. Because I'm, I'm just not going to let this run my life anymore. If you let it run your life, it'll ruin your life. And so I am letting this go. In fact, one of the meanings of the, of the root meanings of the word translated forgiveness means to loosen. 
And the picture is like this. It's like you got a boat tied up here to a dock in, in a river. And, and you loosen the knot and you let it go. And when you do that, all of a sudden, you are free. And you can begin, you know, all that emotion. It's just, it's amazing. By the way, God's ways work. (laughs) Forgiving is how you avail yourself of the grace of God that's going to make that difference in your life. And we're really out of time. So let me just say this shortly. So that's how we deal with the past regrets that we haven't dealt with properly and we become bitter. But the way you learn from this and go forward is, is this. Value the right things now. Think Esau what? Esau didn't value things rightly, did he? He valued them wrongly. And if you value things wrongly today, if you love the things of this world more than you ought to, if you focus on temporary things instead of eternal things, if you focus on your own ways as being better than God's, if you do all that kind of stuff, you're going to have regrets. But you can learn, if I will value things rightly now, What's really important now and for all eternity? What's really important? You'll make better decisions and have fewer regrets. And you'll be able to live your life for the Lord. I mean, just think. Our world is full of bitterness, isn't it? Have you seen it even in the news again this week? Bitterness. We as Christians ought not to be bitter people. And so when people run into us in here or out there, they ought to run into people who are not overwhelmed with bitterness. And that'll be a great opportunity to be a witness for Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word and that you you deal with such really practical things for us. Father, help us to see in our lives where we may have become bitter We didn't deal with our our, uh, regrets properly, Lord. We didn't take advantage of your grace. We help us to see it, Lord. Help us not to be in denial. Help us to see what's really true there and to choose to forgive whoever needs to be forgiven so that we might be free to walk with you and, and live life fully with you and for you to work through us. Help us too, Father, to evaluate the things in our life and value them properly. Value the right things. Value things the right way so we might not have more regrets in the future. I pray this in Jesus' name.